You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we're building a health and fitness resource by trying to answer a single question every week, just based on what we already know. Or maybe what we think we know. Then we bring in the world's leading expert to tell us what we got right and what we got wrong. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. And I never know these things because I don't do any drugs. I've told a lot of friends that. Like, I don't do any drugs. I don't their eyes really open. Like, you know, everyone just experiments with whatever. Not everyone's doing meth, but mm-hmm. someone's doing like a party drug or cocaine. Mm-hmm. Never a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of um, <clears throat> ecstasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Molly or whatever's going yeah. on. Or even like a lot of shrooms. And I'm t- I have a fucked up head completely sober. I don't need to fuck up my head any worse. <laughs> you don't need to exacerbate the situation. Yeah, I would ju- and I would just feel like stuck and even being drunk sometimes, like like actually drunk, not just like a little buzz, like actually drunk, I hate it. Like I'm sitting there like I want to stop this. I, I, which is a little really? bit of my control freak. Yeah, when I'm drunk, drunk, I'm like I don't like this. Oh, you you, you a little panicky? <clears throat> not too panicky, but like I don't want it anymore. I want to be in control. You know what I mean? I don't know. A little <sighs> buzz is fine. That's why I just drink two like heavy beers. If mm-hmm. I do ever, and then mm-hmm. I'm kind of good. Yeah, you front load them so that you're yeah, yeah. Or so a couple, you get a little bit of a buzz at the beginning, and then it's tailed off by the time that yeah. you leave. And yeah, or, cool. or or wine with dinner, and you have like <clears throat> one glass pre appetizer food on an empty stomach. Right. You get a little buzz, and then one glass like with the meal. If I'm out, that's nice. But yeah, so LSD, all that out of the fucking world. But what one of the guys said was, uh, heroin seems like it has no like negative effects on the body in terms of like organs. Oh, heroin addicts live a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that's yeah, yeah. that's the case. As which long is, as they, uh, as long as they can figure out how to eat and poop. Yeah, you know, which which seems like uh, even some alcoholics, even though obviously alcohol has tons of repercussions on liver and et cetera, even just your skin and your sleep and whatever. But it seems like, and this is not by any ways a <laughs> promotion of you people to do these things, but. In my head, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because you always hear about the drunk that lives to 95. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're actually into these substances and they do, like, make you happy and that's why you're addicted to them because you're running away from all these other things, your stress level is probably pretty low. And I think stress is literally the only thing that kills us. You know what <laughs> it I mean? might be. So if this drunk is, like, hates his life, he could be the shittiest life. He could be a shitty human. Mm-hmm. He could be a good human. Who knows? But And you're drunk all the time. And when you're in this drunk state, you don't have stress. That's why you're drinking. You're drinking away your pains. Yeah. And they live for fucking ever. Well, my wife has said for years, you know, she's a nurse, and she said for years that heroin addicts, just, they just live a long time. Yeah. Now, really not much other than heroin or meth screw up your, your life. You know, well, opioids really screw yeah. up your life. It's the decisions but you make on these things yeah. or maybe the people you associate. Yeah, yeah. but her- heroin, if you can, well, and like especially if you're, if you're, uh, Injecting cleanly, you're yeah. not yeah, sharing yeah. needles or any of that kind of <clears throat> that's stuff. That's what they're talking about: is fentanyl being in this stuff plus sharing needles. Yeah, that's fentanyl making is it bad. Yeah, making it all fucked bad, up. Bad, bad news. But uh, um, I've only seen fentanyl in terms of like patches for for pain and stuff. yeah, like real doctor shit. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but they say it's in everything now. Oh uh, yeah, it's tainted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the same way that I think that a lot of um, uh, unless. Unless supplements are getting tested, yeah, yeah. At the beginning, when they're when they're introduced, it's been shown time and time and again how many of them is like, oh, this is really effective. Oh, it's because yeah. it's got steroids. Yeah, yeah low dose Anavar or some shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You- so like, of course it works because yeah, 
Yeah. Well, I don't take those either. Even though I'm going to. I got yelled at by a future guest of ours why I don't take creatine. Future podcasts, we're talking about stress, how to manage it. What the hell is it? Some of these words are thrown around so, like, I understand stress, but I don't understand stress at all. <clears throat> Something that my um, my therapist said to me last week about anxiety yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. Like, I don't, it, it never dawned on me this was the case, that anxiety is a protective response. Yeah, like a protective worry. Because yeah. it keeps yeah. you from getting into, keeps you from getting into situation that you perceive as being yeah. potentially harmful. Yeah, to you. like exaggerated fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, or overthinking yeah. fear, <clears throat> and then it's just a matter of uh, if your fears, worry, or thoughts are uh, practical. Yeah, you know, or or if they're serving you. Because yeah, I'm sure anxiety serves a purpose, uh, and then yeah. it, but if it is out of control, then. Or, or excessive. It's being able to shut it off or not being able to right. shut it off this issue. Yeah, or if it's in one category that is legitimate. Mm-hmm. If you're having financial issues and you have anxiety over finances, mm-hmm. probably okay. Maybe you need to get your button gear and fix those things. But if you're having anxiety over everything and there's no real issues. And you can't shake it. Yeah, now we got... Yeah, you fix the issue, but the anxiety <laughs> isn't fixed. You're still thinking about it and then we got issues. Yeah. Which I think... Uh, I was driving over here thinking about it too because uh, obviously I deal with stupid anxiety and uh, many of you do out there uh, probably be a topic coming soon we'll find a we have a psych friend coming to talk some psych stuff but then we'll find another psych maybe to talk some uh anxiety things but right now we're gonna talk about stretching you guys are over there touching your toes mm-hmm. putting your arm across your body pulling on your elbow the old school pe stretch mm-hmm. and then things turned the other way and got um perhaps extra Everything the, the 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 pendulum always, always swings. swings. Yeah, and so then everyone says, "Well, if you stretch your hamstrings before your squat, you're gonna you're gonna squat a hundred pounds less than you could." Which there are some studies that show static stretching before uh, explosive lifting, explosive movement, or strength training can reduce um, uh, your top end power. But I think you know my personal opinion here is like the amount it will reduce your training session is so negligible like you're not going to go if you're supposed to hit 400 pounds for a five by five on a squat and you freaking stretch your hamstrings before you're not going to squat 365 like it's not going to happen you probably might not even notice it besides that placebo effect but then counter to that i also think that stretching your hamstrings or stretching before in my personal experience um some things that i've read or whatever but personal experience uh for myself Mm. trying to get in better positions for the sumo or or change my squat, and with who knows how many freaking clients I've handled over the last decade, um, the changes are very minimal, mm-hmm. and the changes that we do get through stretching, static stretching, any stretching really, because then people throw a band on, and now they think that the stretching's 1,000% different. Like, you're still touching your toe. Like, it's mm-hmm. the same idea. Maybe you're going deeper, but it's the same thing, same mechanism. Um, the changes are minimal, and they're also uh, very uh, short-lasting. So like okay. maybe maybe you'll get a little bit better position for that training session, and that may may be the difference between an optimal sumo or an optimal squat for some people. Um, you know, if you're really having, if you're a big dude or insanely inflexible, uh, and you can't hit depth, maybe opening up your hips a little bit pre workout may help. Um, but for the majority of people, like actually just warming up um, is is plenty. Yeah, and training for like if you've trained over a year. Mm-hmm. properly with these movements you'll get in the position for those movements mm-hmm. like squatting three times a week for a year you'll get to depth that your body finds comfortable like without any stretching um now if you're trying to go from like 
something you're really not good at to something else, right? Like I was trying to snatch and my shoulders have been locked up from bench press mm-hmm. and my pecs being tight and everything. Now you might have to put a little bit extra work to kind of open those things up. I stopped bench pressing. I started doing a bunch of overhead um, mobility work. Now that's a little bit different story. Um, but still, I believe after a year of that, and I even saw it after like six months of that, then I just kind of do my normal warm up. I didn't have to do the extra yards. Um, and again, a lot of genetics play a role in it too. Mm-hmm. Um, how you're going to hit depth, how you're not. Uh, and then in sport, sport, um, I think it's similar. Some kind of warm up is plenty. And when I mean warm up, it's like actually warming up, you know, some kind of walk, jog, run, maybe some kind of dynamic stretching, but um, it'll depend on, on application and person, obviously. I think that uh, something who. Something people who have not been... It is hot in here, by the way. Uh, something that people who have not uh, been at, at the level of athletics that they get to work with a with an athletic trainer don't, don't know, don't understand, or whatever, is that having somebody uh, actually help you stretch, actually maybe even stretch you out or whatever, is amazing. And it you feel, feel good. really great afterwards. It does feel good. Uh, Somebody who somebody really has their you know finger on the pulse of exactly how to do it, and especially somebody who has kind of gotten to know where your where your sticky points are and stuff. It's uh, uh, amazing. Yeah, obviously the goal depends, right? Because like if you're whatever whatever age really, and you're just trying to like kind of feel good and look a little bit better, then yeah, adding a combination of all these things are going to matter, right? Like some kind of conditioning, some kind of lifting, some kind of mobility or stretching. Mm-hmm. Like that's all going to feel good. Um, for the overall purpose, right? If you want to be well-rounded. Mm-hmm. If your goal is like powerlifting and you're just trying to get into the best squat bench dead position, like you probably don't need that much mobility. Or, like it's so easy to hit depth. Like if you're actually squatting to depth, if you're actually warming up and you're actually squatting frequently, it's not that big of a deal. Because like that's still so common on YouTube. It was definitely very common in the early years of like fitness YouTube 2010 mm-hmm. to 14. Everyone's just talking about how do you get in the perfect squat position, the sumo position, like it's not that demanding on the body. Like I'm, I've never been flexible. Like I have a lot of. If you guys watch any of my weightlifting footage, I can't put my freaking. I can't overhead squat. And yes, it's ten years of bench press chasing pounds. But like even when I played basketball, I wasn't a flexible guy. Mm-hmm. I was five nine, one eighty, and it's just not something I have. Stubby arms. My shoulders don't move very well. Um, where some people can just overhead squat the first time you ever show them. Mm-hmm. So like genetics obviously play, play a role. And what sport you're doing. But again, if your goal is just overall fitness, feeling good, looking good, moving decently as just a human, no sport specific stuff, um, you know, yeah, of course, some yoga stuff would be great. You know, that's like isometric strength stuff plus some stretching mobility. Doing a little bit of stretching after your workout or after you warm up before you lift, um, even static, I, I don't think it's going to be uh, a bad idea. If you're literally that obsessed with every kilo on the bar, then yeah, maybe don't static stress before static stretch before you lift. But I don't think it's gonna be the big of a deal. But um, we got a PT coming in. Uh, Doctor Teddy is gonna uh, let us know what the hell is going on um, with stretching because it's it's a popular thing everywhere. It's a big discussion, uh, and it's obviously very popular on Instagram. You know, there's tons of different mobility uh, modalities and tools and um, people showing us different things. Uh, we had uh, Squat University on here. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Aaron on here, and then we also had Jordan Shallow. And so we've talked around these topics, but today we're gonna tackle. Uh, stretching in specifics. Yeah, I will say, um, sort of on a, as a capping all this off, that I observed back when I was competing all the time, competing multiply. Uh, I really wanted to like go in and see my chiropractor slash ART in the week of the meet, 
yeah, so yeah. that I feel like could move well. Yeah. And what I found was that um, so I typically have a, a hip shift because I have one hip that moves differently than the other. Yeah, tighter or whatever. Yeah. Um, my hip shift would get significantly worse after the uh, Cairo yeah. um, ART person. Like significantly, like it loosened up enough that instead of squatting normally, I had exaggerated hip shift. So to the point that like I knew I could hit depth on one side, but not necessarily on the other. Yeah, yeah, which isn't going to help you. No, Mm-mm. I mean maybe with two white lights. <laughs> two white lights is, en- yeah. is enough. Yeah, yeah, but not. Uh, and that's and I'll, a lot of my bigger squats were exactly that. Were two white white yeah. light squats because I I could not get down on one side. Yeah. Yeah, that's the evil that is powerlifting. Like, um, it doesn't care for genetic differences. Like other sports, you can figure out a way. If my shoulder doesn't move this way when I shoot a basketball, I can adjust and kind of shoot a basketball a different way. Where like a barbell is a barbell, depth is depth, squat bench dead is squat bench dead. Uh, if this movement hurts or doesn't feel great, you're done. Um, and that's again, yeah, benefits of you know maybe bodybuilding or, or other sports compared to it where barbell bench press doesn't feel good in bodybuilding you just don't do it you just can do right. dumbbell or fly or incline right. or, or whatever feels good but powerlifting um, although it's become very very popular and it's great I, I trust me i obviously am a huge proponent of it but it has its downsides for many people like bench just never felt good for me it's just always hurt my shoulders mm-hmm. and i think my form is good and i worked on my form and i bench press okay weight but just always never felt comfy do you bench four plates at some point four plates in the gym yeah not in a meet Maybe in the meat. I, I guess four <clears throat> plates in a meat would be four seventy four or something stupid. Probably not, but <laughs> maybe four hundred two. Four hundred two yeah, or four hundred two. Four hundred seven. Four hundred seven. Yeah. yeah, you got to do four hundred seven. Sorry out there, kids. Whoever <laughs> bench four hundred two, you still suck. I mean, I suck. I know I suck, but you you have to know you suck too. I uh, uh the most I ever benched in the gym was like three forty five or whatever. Yeah, it sucks. I was fat. Benching sucks. Too. I'm going dumbbells only now. Actually, probably not. I'll probably get back to barbell, but we'll see. I I just it's. It definitely causes a different stress pattern in your shoulders. And yeah, stuff, you know, and yeah. and at this point, after having my shoulder, you know, working on rehab for my shoulder and stuff for a couple of months there, it is better. But like, I don't have any desire to grab right. a well, straight bar at this point. Yeah, what's the goal? What's the point? Yeah, if your goal is to, to bench press the most and compete in powerlifting, power to you, and chase it. But if it's not, and the pains uh, outlast your goals, then switch goals. <laughs> We'll jump now to our expert, Dr. Teddy Wilsey. The con- the conversation is that if you stretch your hamstring before you squat, your gains go out the window. <laughs> you can't squat even a barbell there's, anymore. That's there's what. No, there's no. There's no gray area. That's what they told me. So I just stopped <laughs> stretching. Uh, but uh, seriously, maybe uh, go into. Um, Static stretching in particular, we can talk about some other modalities and stuff afterwards. Uh, what are the effects? Why do people kind of say that? And then is that effect uh, something we should actually worry about as strength athletes or, or just regular everyday gym or, or general pop people? Right. Hey, guys, hold on one sec. Let sure. me just – I'm trying to find a quiet place in my gym. Yeah, no worries. Hey.
All right, guys, I'm here. Sorry about that. No worries. Cool, no problems. Yeah, so cool. let's, uh, yeah, we'll talk stretching, kind of uh, generally uh, speaking. Uh, what what is static stretching? What is what is most people's goal with it? Maybe what's happening while you're doing that, and then uh, is it going to affect my training? And why is that such a um, well well uh, taken thought at this point? Yeah, absolutely. Is the ball in my court right now? Yeah, yes. Yeah, lead the way. Okay. All right. So I would I would say that first and foremost, the reason that people stretch is because they like to stretch. You know, I, th- I think that it's something that maybe you uh, maybe you were a high school athlete and your coach kind of got you into stretching and you just kind of had that routine going ever since then. Maybe you're somebody that's periodically attended yoga classes and you just like the feel of it. Um, I think it's a very much an individual experience with stretching where some people, they feel benefit from it and they enjoy it. Other people, they're like, myself included, they're like, you know, I've always kind of sucked at it. So what's the point? Um, You know, I think that when we talk about training and let's say, you know, your example, Mike, warming up for the squat, there's definitely some advantages of just doing some basic mobility and getting into those positions. Now, at the very least, you could use a squat itself to get into that position or on the other end of things, you could go through kind of a hip mobility flow or that sort of, or that sort of approach. And that's where we get into this idea of dynamic stretching, right? And and with dynamic stretching, there's a lot of research about how that can be beneficial. That can help you to warm up. Whereas static stretching, the research shows us that you're actually going to decrease your power and your force output in the short term after static stretching. So anytime you're, leading into a training session you would potentially zap some of your gains by doing long periods of static stretching if you're doing your hamstrings and you're sprinting you could even put yourself at an increased risk of pulling your hamstring but it's you know there's gray area so we're not going to ruin all of our gains by by static stretching for a little bit (laughs) yeah and and you know we uh, i think i told you we we kind of film our our ideas beforehand. And, and to me, you know, it's obviously so broad because it depends on your goals, right? Like if you're a power lifter trying to get every kilo on the barbell, um, maybe we avoid static stretching. Is that what you're getting to? But if you're a regular gym goer and again, you enjoy it, um, it's not going to be the end all be all if I like to stretch my hammies a little bit. Yeah. I mean, look, even if you're a power lifter and you, and you know, you're static stretching, I don't think that you're going to negatively impact your your final strength measure you know i don't think that you're going to negatively impact your ability to hit your genetic potential and and whatever you're trying to do training wise uh now in the short term you could absolutely leading into a session but i don't think that you're going to look back on your career and be like man i spent too much time stretching my hamstrings and that's why i was weak you know and so uh i think that um you'd have to stretch a lot to really have that impact you know, there has been some research about long-term effects of static stretching, and they do see that there is, um, you know, stretching is more of a neurological effect on the body. It's not, you're not lengthening the tissue and permanently changing the status of that tissue. What you're doing is you're kind of making yourself more used to the stretch itself and also down-regulating or inhibiting your nervous system to a certain extent. And when you inhibit, inhibit your nervous system, that's what's going to slow you down. So that's, that's where we see decreased power output after stretching. And in the long run, there has been some research to show that those inhibitory effects can um, can have a, uh, a lasting impact. But man, you got to stretch a lot in order to really have that be the case. Is there any information out or, or actual research done on 
dynamic or static uh, or versus each other on um, preventing injuries, perhaps, uh, whether, uh, like you said, actually the opposite sounds like with static stretching and maybe sprinting, but in terms of powerlifting or, or playing basketball, because again, I think everyone, at least gen pop uh, and even even strength athletes go back to high school. You, you run two laps around the, the, the track and then you're just touching your toes for 10 minutes and then you guys are playing dodgeball or something. But um, is there good reason to kind of use some of these tools uh, to hopefully prevent injuries in powerlifting uh, or sport? You know, there's not really any definitive research uh, that I'm aware of that shows a, a clear pathway from stretching to injury reduction. Um, I think it's important that we have the requisite mobility for any activity that we're doing. And in order to get that, we can get it through active dynamic type of stretching. Um, but like you said, the old school approach of, of running your two laps and then sitting there touching your toes for 60 seconds, there is definitive research that that is not the best way to stretch. And um, kind of like I had alluded to earlier, you know, when you are when you are inhibiting your muscles, so you do that static stretch of your hamstrings, you do potentially play, place yourself at a greater risk of, of hurting your hamstring because it's not uh, it's not up to uh, up to the task. So there's potentially like a. a, a physical psychological connection there if you if it feels good and you're not overdoing it and you feel like you lift better than you than you may but if you but if you're if your brain is not demanding that then then why i guess right and then yeah the other thing is it is um some of this stuff better handled on uh non-lifting days is some some static stretching better for non-lifting? Days? Yeah, or just yeah, mo- I, mobility, all that stuff. Is is some of that better just as a recovery modality as opposed to a pre-happy you know, kind of thing? I would say the I would say the best best practice overall. And the answer is kind of yes, but I would say best practice overall: hit your mobility, hit your dynamic stretching to get yourself warmed up, mm-hmm. and then you can do your static afterwards or on a different day. But you def but you definitely do not want to do it prior to training hard and prior to asking your body to produce high amounts of force. Is there any anecdotal stuff on that? Maybe uh, stretching because that's I think with the inner circle. You know, I I picture everything in like knowledge or like gimmicks or myths and like the layers of humans, right? So like we have like the yeah, gen yeah. pop, and they think yeah, you have to stretch. It makes your long lean muscle, and then yeah. and then you think like you know <laughs> the, like the newbies who watch a little bit of YouTube, they think no static stretching. I won't be able to squat the barbell today, right? And then you have the inner circle. Right, right. I think the inner circle right now, the consensus is uh, st- stretching will help recovery. So people are doing it like all night after a training session or, or the, like Jim said the next day is there any actual benefit uh, rather than again maybe just feeling good and a little placebo I I really don't think so I, I mean, don't it's, think so either. you know there's there's <laughs> good case case closed fuck but, you idiots but <laughs> but um, you know it's it, like what Jim said I mean some people like to do it and you know I'm I already uh, bust enough miss out there that I, I try to I try to choose my battles, mm-hmm. and that's not that's not one that I'm gonna like go real hard on. <laughs> so because yeah, it's not causing somebody, issues, maybe. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're doing it on an off day, more power to you. And if you if you get better at it, and then you tell me it's loosening up your muscles, like that's cool too. I mean, that's just a neurological perception to a certain extent. So. You know, it's um, it all kind of comes back to the brain and the nervous system and, and what we're doing to our body and how it uh, impacts our, our sensations. 
you know. So well, let's talk about what we're what we're describing when we're describing static stretching versus dynamic stretching. Yeah, yeah. is there, is there so, like a, a book definition you got or something? Yeah, absolutely. So so a dynamic stretch would be moving in and out of a range of motion and typically going towards the extreme of that range of motion, but maybe not hitting it all the way. Mm. Uh, a ballistic stretch would be would really kind of bring in an eccentric and concentric contraction to it. So almost like you know, taking advantage of the stretch shortening cycle in a way. And so a ballistic stretch would be a fast movement. Yeah, like a, dynamic... like a high knee marches or something of that nature. I don't exactly. Even know how to or, like, it. Yeah. or like uh, skips with like a Frankenstein yeah. kick, yeah. something like that. Or, yeah. And then, and then a static stretch is where you hold that position without a bounce for 20 to 30 seconds or more. Okay. And so with a static stretch, you get what's called creep, which is a, a property of our connective tissue that helps it to slowly elongate over time. And that's where you get that neurological inhibition that can allow you to lengthen that tissue. So um, like a PNF stretch, kind of. Now, PNF is a little bit different, too. PNF is another perfect example of how stretching taps into the nervous system. So a PNF stretch in the most traditional sense is that contract, relax. Right. So let's say uh, I'm stretching, somebody's stretching my hamstrings. I'm laying on my back. I have one leg up. After they stretch my hamstrings, they passively push my foot back for, let's say, 20 seconds. Then they say, okay, Teddy, first thing I want you to do is contract your quad. So when I contract my quad, I'm going to get reciprocal inhibition of my hamstring. That's going to relax a little bit. Hmm. I might get slightly more range of motion. The second piece of that PNF, they're going to say, okay, now, push your heel back into me. So I'm contracting my hamstring. So I'm decreasing the stretch at that point. I'm pushing away. And then after that contraction, so then we get the contraction, then the relax. The third step of that is now relax your hamstring and we see greater range of motion after that contraction. Is that but really gonna... what we're doing is we're just wearing that muscle out and really opening up uh, the hamstrings even more through that neurological inhibition. How long do some of those effects last? Because uh, obviously you might have even answered it with this um, mostly being neurological, which we kind of mm-hmm. covered in our part two, you know, foam rollers and all these things. People think they're molding dough out there rather than <laughs> right, right. affecting what's going on with their brain, which obviously kind of runs cookies. everything. Yeah. Uh, but to me, and this is 100% <laughs> anecdotal, just being, you know, a coach and an athlete, everything I've done personally with myself or anyone else, I've never made like a flexible person or an inflexible person flexible over 10 years. Like you get in like a better position for that day. Is there any data or anything you know about like, I've never seen, you, there's always that one kid in PE class that like can barely touch his shin when we're doing like right, toe right. touches. I've never seen that kid touch his feet ever. And we stretched every single day for four years, three times a week in PE and basketball. You know what I mean? Well, Is there any long lasting effects to these things or are most of them kind of acute? Well, first of all, Mike, I think you need to rethink your coaching strategies if you're not making long, if you're not making ballerinas out of powerlifters. <laughs> That's, but, yeah, you know. I, yeah. If you don't squat ass to grass with me, I just cut you as a client and say you're, <laughs> you're unworkable, uncoachable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uncoachable. Um, no, so there's, you don't, don't create long-term effects of this unless you just do it every day. Hmm. So if you want to, you know, switch your diet up and lose a bunch of weight and go take yoga every day and and sweat your balls off and and that's your prerogative then yeah you can maintain this motion but that's because you're doing it every day that's because you're doing it three times a week but if you're not doing it you will retract back to exactly where you were before you know there's um, some genetics play a role 
Right. Now there is some, so like ligaments, for example, ligaments can be stretched and they don't retract the same way, mm-hmm. right? Tendon, tendons and muscle are contractile tissue. They are alive. They, they change their dynamic. They're always changing their length. But ligaments do not really, and so there is some research behind the ability to stretch ligaments in the long run. And that, for example, is how you uh, be you know earn the ability to do the splits. Yeah, you there's, know, there's because some people... you're stretching these hip ligaments that are like they don't want to go there, and you're just sitting there and you're just pushing a little more every day. And it's yeah, brutal. yeah, and some of that's genetic as well. Yeah, because I know there's some people that don't, don't stretch, don't work out, and they just bang out a split. Mm. Yeah. So that's the other, that's a that's a really good point. So that's the other piece of this uh, is the kind of genetic continuum of mobility. You know, there's something called a Bighton score, and it's a it's a rule of nines where they look at the hypermobility, the ability of your you can you bend your wrist towards you and touch your thumb to your forearm. Oh, not even. Can close. you? Oh, I'm not yeah. that bad actually. I thought it would be worse. Can, can you? Can you? Can you bend your pointer or your middle finger back to ninety degrees? No. No. Can you touch your toes? Or I'm sorry, can you touch your palms to the floor? Uh, Standing straight up like a hammy stretch? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not bad. Not palms, close, but I'm yeah, real I'm close. Decent. So Mike, so you're kind of so you're a little more genetically mobile than I am. Like I I could I'm probably make my thumb a, touch my wrist. It would hurt, but yeah. I'm doing it right now. I could probably make that happen. Just do it, man. Just oh, do it. Did it. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Oh, my god. I've never tried that far. But so so this is a test, and it's a rule of nine. So the, so it's four different ones. You test both thumbs, both fingers. Then you look at do your elbows and your knees hyperextend. What about your tongue to your nose? That's different, I think. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different. That's, a different that's the adult test. version. Yeah. yeah. The adult the, film exactly. version. Exactly. <laughs> <And then, laughs> I fail and there, then too. The, and then the number nine is touching your palms to the floor. And I think it's if you get five out of nine, because some people, they'll have more mobility on one side than the other. Yeah, yeah. If you get five out of nine, then you are on the spectrum of being hypermobile. So that means you you might be somebody that has that. And that means that your ears are more are soft, more soft and pliable. Your nose, it's your cartilage. It's your entire genetic makeup. And the only thing you can change there is your parents. Like you can't, some people just are genetically more flexible than others. And uh, what you'll see with natural selection is that kids at a young age, the kids that are better at gymnastics, the kids that have better throwing arms because fle- mm. their shoulders are more flexible and they can lay their arm back more. Uh, those are the kids that tend to be a little bit more mobile a lot of times. And so then it's like you get this whole nature nurture thing, and they're like, "Well, I'm flexible because I did gymnastics my whole life." It's like, yeah, no, yeah. but the yeah. only reason the only reason you did gymnastics is because you were better at age five than this other kid. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so that makes sense. I did. I never did any of those things, but I can get into. I get my feet into second position like that. My ankles and my uh, knees are both super crazy flexible. Yeah, yeah, and that's like. I mean, I can watch people squat and see how much butt weight they have once they start to hit parallel mm. and just know how lax their, their hip their hip ligaments are and get a really good idea. Um, I can sh- I'll sometimes shake women's hands and notice how like kind of squishy their bones in their hands are. <laughs> like it's it's this this is the weird thing about being a physical therapist, man. I sit in the airport and I just fucking watch people walk and like assess <laughs> them, you know. But uh, it's the you build this power of observation and you can't turn it off. But yeah, it's totally a genetic thing. And so that's where you see, you know, that the whole nature versus nurture type of thing. And, and there's a lot of interesting research with baseball players and their elbows. And some baseball players, their elbows get hypermobile and they get, you know, Tommy John type issues. Other baseball players, their elbows actually lose extension throughout the season. 
and they and you have to constantly stretch them out. So it's like two totally different practices of how to how to actually help those athletes stay healthy. And then there has to be probably some nurture um, involved with like how much muscle you build. Because like you just said, like I, yeah. I do think I'm kind of flexible. Like I can touch my feet and all that, but I've always been kind of muscular. So like I'm not that mobile. Like no one has ever yeah. called me mobile, <laughs> even though the test you just put me through, it may, and it makes sense to me. Like I can touch, my, I've always been able to touch my feet. I never stretch. Mm. Still, and I have short arms, like, but yeah. I've been lifting weights since eighth grade. I packed some muscle on here that probably tightened me up. Yeah. Man, I've got, but even like, even like your squat, Mike, like you're not like, the squat videos that you've posted over the past year, like you're not hitting ass to grass, but you're looking very comfortable at that, like right around parallel point. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like feet, feet narrow, toes aren't pointed out some crazy way. Like you're just, it looks like a natural, comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't have to play a circus game to hit depth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. 100%. And, and if the goal is ass to grass, I could probably get down there. I can do that. Too. Sure. Yeah. sure, man. Sure. But that, that, cool. but that, we don't get extra points in this silly sport. <laughs> That's the thing. There are no style points in powerlifting whatsoever. If there were, if there were, I'd be one of the best in the world. Like I think I lift, what, I lift really pretty. Uh, I just don't lift a lot of weight. I, I, yeah, I think that's me too. I tend to, I well, tend to be Instagram pretty tech. Yeah, yeah. And Photoshop <laughs> with my fake weights. Uh, I think we tackled uh, stretching pretty good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, Teddy, where can people find you? Websites, Instagram, all that. Oh, so Instagram, Strength Coach Therapy. Um, website, I would say check out citizenathletics.com. That's my training company. We have content out there, and uh, that's really where uh, I'm trying to put a lot of my effort over the next next little bit to uh, provide information. Awesome. So, yeah, Strength Coach Therapy is the easiest way to find me on Instagram. Three words all together. Sweet, man. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Sweet, man. Uh, people, follow me. Silent Mike, 2Ks, Instagram, Twitter, all the show. Be sure to give us a rating and review. We really appreciate it. Tell your friends. Uh, new episode every single Wednesday. I am at the Jim McD on all the social medias. The show is 50% facts. What percent is a word on Instagram and Twitter. And we will talk to you next week.